0: Whoa!
1: Well, we've got what is probably a, I hate to say it, but characteristically (laughs) another division in the church, in the eastern lung of the church. That is one of the weaknesses of the eastern ecclesiology. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that eastern ecclesiology is weak in itself, just that everything has its weak side. This is precisely why we need two lungs of the church because we complete each other. That's the whole point of this program, is that we present the gifts of the church, East and West, primarily the Eastern churches. Now, Eastern Ecclesiology, a little bit different than Western Ecclesiology. Western Ecclesiology is a little bit more, well, think of it like a pyramid, the Pope being at the top and everything else being underneath all the way till you get down to the average Catholic in the pew, so to speak. Now, in Eastern Ecclesiology, there isn't any one person at the top. There are top people But there's many of them according to each jurisdiction, each particular church. They're called patriarchs. In a sense, I'll use the term like mini-popes. Patriarch, pope, they all refer to basically the term fatherhood. You know, a patriarch, an overseer of a family. And in the Eastern churches, the patriarch, along with his other bishops, priests, and laity, form a complete church. That church does not have to be in union with any other church. It would be good if it was— but it still is a complete church. In other words, it does not have to be in in union with any one top head, like in the Western ecclesiology. Now, there's a beauty in that, just as there is in Western ecclesiology, but there's also, as always, a little downside. And that downside is a propensity to have too many heads, and therefore there's disagreements, and the heads break from each other. Well, we've had another very significant break. This is very historic, lots of implications, and it probably got lost a bit in the news of the sex abuse scandals and so on in the Western church. They're not relegated just to the Western church, but that's where the news has been. And that news has been so great, so pervasive, so persistent that news in the other aspects of the church, such as the Eastern lung of the church, sort of gets overshadowed. So there was something really great happening in the East. At the same time, there was these sex scandals and the news coverage of it in the West. So let's look at that break and why that's significant. I'm going to refer to the Catholic News Agency article. This is from October 21st. And it says that the Russian Orthodox Moscow Patriarchate has cut ties with the ecumenical patriarch Bartholomew of Constantinople, claiming his recognition of an independent Orthodox church in Ukraine that this departed from Orthodox norms. So the Russian Orthodox are saying that what the Patriarch of Constantinople did departed from Orthodox norms. Now, the Patriarch of Constantinople, Patriarch Bartholomew, is basically the patriarch, the head of the Greek Orthodox Church. He would be considered to be the closest thing that Eastern Orthodoxy has to a pope. In other words, he's, in a sense, he's kind of like first among equals. Not exactly, but in a sense. So, he carries a lot of weight, but as I mentioned, in Eastern ecclesiology, meaning the church structure, there are many patriarchs, so they all believe that they are equal. Now, the one in Constantinople, which is today Istanbul, modern-day Turkey, he is considered to be the one of greater preeminence, not necessarily officially, but kind of seen that way. Well, he exerted some influence that has allowed some things to happen in the Ukraine among Orthodox churches that have been brewing for a while. Now, Metropolitan Hilarion, who heads external church relations for the Moscow Patriarchate, said that Russian Orthodox leaders decided to break the Eucharistic communion in response to actions they called lawless and canonically void. Okay, breaking communion means that the Greek Orthodox Church and the Russian Orthodox Churches no longer feel that they are in communion with each other. In other words, they cannot give or take Holy Communion from one another. So this is what the East does, because the emphasis they have on communion, a strong emphasis, is about being in communion. In other words, being of the same body. That's why if you're Catholic and you attend an Orthodox divine liturgy, which is their Mass, they will not give you Holy Communion. Even though, according to the Roman Catholic canon law, you may receive from them if you're attending their liturgy. However, they will not give it to you because you, as a Roman Catholic, are not in communion with the Orthodox Church. So now we have the Russian Orthodox Church of Moscow and the Church of Constantinople, which is basically the Greek Orthodox Church. We have them now out of communion with each other. Okay, the Russian Orthodox Church doesn't recognize those decisions and won't fulfill them, Metropolitan Hilarion said in Belarus after a meeting of the Synod of the Russian Orthodox Church. The church that acknowledged this schismatics has excluded itself from the canonical field of orthodoxy. We are hoping common sense will prevail and that the Constantinople Patriarchate will change its relations to existing church reality, he said. The break comes in response to the decision of Ecumenical Patriarch Bartholomew, the first among equals leader of the global orthodox church, to issue a statement October 11th confirming plans for an independent Ukrainian orthodox church and restoring ties with the previously schismatic Ukrainian Orthodox Church of the Kiev Patriarchate. The Russian church sees the move as an infringement of its jurisdiction and authority. So in other words, the Ukrainian Orthodox churches were under the Patriarchate of Moscow, in other words, the Russians. And basically, to put it simple, I know all this stuff is kind of complicated, the Ukrainians wanted to have their own church, govern themselves. They didn't want to be governed by the Russians. Now, this has been brewing for a while, finally came to a head. Bartholomew also removed the right of the Russian Patriarch since 1686 to ordain the Metropolitan of Kiev, a move which observers predicted would be perceived as a deliberate slight to Moscow. Archbishop Yevstrati, chief spokesman for the Ukrainian Orthodox Church of the Kiev Patriarchate, and whose rehabilitation by Constantinople contributed to the current break with Moscow, said the Russian Synod's decision was a move towards self-isolation. While the recent push for an independent and autocephalous Orthodox Church in Ukraine emerged as a serious movement in the 1990s, Following the collapse of the Soviet Union, it gained further momentum following the annexation of the Crimean Peninsula in 2014 and Russian backing of separatist rebels in eastern Ukraine in response to the unseating of Ukraine's pro-Russian former president, Viktor Yanukovych. I know this is all pretty complicated, but I'll try try to make it simple. The Russian Orthodox Church, which claims traditional and canonical authority over the Orthodox community in Ukraine, has denied taking political sides in the conflict and said it has worked for peace in eastern Ukraine. Now, the Russian Church also voiced concern that the Constantinople Patriarch's actions could deepen religious divides in Ukraine, and inspire breakaway branches to take over church buildings, according to one new service. Orthodox Christians in Ukraine have recently been divided into three separate groups. Now, here's where I'll try to make a little bit simple for you. Even though things in the East are never simple, they're always very complex. That's part of our genius, and it's also our crown, and it's also our cross. <laughs> okay, so basically, think of it, there's three separate groups of Ukrainian Orthodox churches that are, are of concern here. The Ukrainian Orthodox Church of the Kiev Patriarchate, and that's in Ukraine, Kiev is in Ukraine, effectively declared itself independent from Moscow in 1992 and is considered by the Russian church to be a schismatic group. Until now, the other Orthodox churches have recognized Ukraine as under Moscow's jurisdiction and honored the excommunication. Okay, secondly, the Ukrainian Autocephalous Orthodox Church, refounded in 1990s, is similarly seen as a breakaway group. So we have two out of the three so far: the Ukrainian Orthodox Church of Kiev and the Ukrainian Autocephalous Orthodox Church. Autocephalous means like self-governing. In other words, of, of your same head, of one head. If you want to be real literal about it. Okay, here's the third one. The Ukrainian Orthodox Church of the Moscow Patriarchate is under the authority of the Russian Church and has been the officially recognized Orthodox Church in the country. So those are the three. Ukrainian Orthodox Church of Kiev, the Ukrainian Autocephalous Orthodox Church, and Ukrainian Orthodox Church of the Moscow Patriarchate. Patriarch Bartholomew's plan to create a single self-governing church in Ukraine led by its own patriarch is motivated by a desire to unify the country's 30 million Orthodox Christians. When we come back, we're gonna talk more about some of the ramifications of this split, this historic schism in the Orthodox churches. I'm Father Thomas Leia on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's
0: reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. This is
1: Bold Talk with Father Thomas Loyola. We live in strange times, full of contradictions, many of which we create and then force upon ourselves an example to hear the rest of this and other
0: bold talks with father thomas loya visit taborlife.org and go to the main menu and click subscribe Subscribe. you're listening to father thomas loya on
1: light of the east
0: monday evening november 26th at seven at saint bernard catholic church in homer Glen, illinois Father Thomas J. Loya will be a presenter in a panel about The Turmoil in the Church, The Topic, Scandals, Honesty, and Hope. Monday, November 26th at 7 p.m. at St. Bernard Catholic Church, 130 30 West 143rd Street, Hoberg Glen, Illinois sponsored by the multi-parish Respect Life Ministries of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, St. Bernard's, St. Francis of Assisi, Our Lady of the Woods, St. Michael, and Our Lady of Good Counsel.
1: Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. Just want to say hello to a few listeners Daniel Strudwick and his son Daniel, Daniel Jr., saw them in our Iowa mission in Iowa City. Hello, Daniel and Daniel. Thanks for listening. We're talking about the very complex situation of the Eastern lung of the church, in particular, the recent split, historic split, between the Greek Orthodox Church. Oftentimes referred to as the Church of Constantinople, which is in modern day Turkey, and the Russian Orthodox Church. And this split happened because the Patriarch of Constantinople, who is first among equals among Orthodox, has given his blessing to the Ukrainian Orthodox churches actually going under their own jurisdiction, their own leadership, and no longer under the jurisdiction of the Patriarch of Moscow. So, in other words, the Ukrainians want to govern their own church. They don't want the Russians to govern the Ukrainian Orthodox churches. That's another way of making it simple. Now, before I go on with more of this complexity, I'll let your brains take a little breather and talk about more simple things, fun things, such as the Christmas on the Prairie event at my church of Annunciation in Homer Glen, Illinois. That's going to happen on Saturday, December 1st, from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., And what this is, it's a free indoor and outdoor family event. You discover the real story of St. Nicholas on the prairie. You walk our prairie paths, and on those paths, you'll stop at certain little places. They have little campfires. And at those little campfires, the teenagers in costume will do little skits that will teach you about the real St. Nicholas, his life, his miracles, his stories. There will also be frontier-era Christmas crafters for the children you experience the beauty of a Byzantine church and also of our prairie. There's homemade Christmas bake sale items as well. Then the whole day comes to a climactic moment when St. Nicholas on a horse-driven carriage will ride up on the church property, greet the children, and give them rides with him in his horse-drawn carriage. For details, visit the events page at ByzantineCatholic.com. ByzantineCatholic.com. Again, that's Christmas on the Prairie. At Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish in Homer Glen, Illinois, Saturday, December 1st, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. I will also be giving a talk on the subject of scandals in the church. It's called Scandals, Honesty, and Hope. That's going to be Monday, November 26th at 7 p.m. at St. Bernard Catholic Church. In Homer Glen, Illinois. You can find out more about that by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. So, scandals on honesty in the church. Going to try to give some perspective on this. Monday, November 26th, St. Bernard Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. Go to ByzantineCatholic.com to find out more about that. Now, back to our complicated situation in the Eastern lung of the church. Father Andrew Summerson, who is a priest of the Eparch of Parma, that's my eparchy here. He has some reflections on this, and he wrote an article in our Horizons newspaper, that's our Park newspaper, it's called Two Reasons to Care About the Orthodox Split. And here he says this, the total effects of this seismic shift in global orthodoxy can be discovered only in time, but it has several immediate consequences for Byzantine Catholics. That's what I am, one of the Eastern Catholic churches. First, in the contemporary ecumenical dialogue between the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church much time has been dedicated to resolving issues that frustrate Christian unity. It's no secret that the Moscow Patriarchate, the largest orthodox church, which by modest statistics boasts 110 million, acts as a power broker in this conversation. It is rather common for the Moscow Patriarchate to cite the existence of Eastern Catholics as one of the main hindrances to unity. I see, we Eastern Catholics... We like to see ourselves as a bridge unity. The Orthodox do not. They think that we are an obstacle. So Father Andrew continues: given the severed relationship between Moscow and Constantinople and the warm friendship between Patriarch Bartholomew and Pope Francis, this shifts the focus away from Rome's relationship to Eastern Catholics to Rome's relationship with Constantinople. Taking the limelight off of Eastern Catholicism could be a good thing for Eastern Catholics. Perhaps allowing for a more active position in dialogue than before permitted. See, we actually would be excluded from these dialogues, even though we're the subject of supposedly the hindrance, we would be excluded from dialogues between the Roman Catholic Church and the Orthodox Churches. So Father Andrew uh, continues this ecclesiastical muddle might also force the issue for the Vatican to move past its position of us politic, meaning its politics toward the East. In its ecumenical dialogue, doing everything they can to please Russia, typically at the expense of Eastern Catholics. Now that's a bold statement by Father Andrew Summerson, but it's a very true one. And let's face it, we're gonna, we're gonna throw our chips into this conversation. We're not always allowed to be there, Eastern Catholics, but we are now. We're gonna be there by virtue of this radio program today in Father Andrew's article. We do believe that oftentimes we are unfairly overlooked or not part of the conversation. It's kind of like the the big boys get together and little kids have to stay outside. You know, we're like the little kid has to go out and play while the adults discuss matters. Well, we want to be in the discussion. And that's what Father Andrew is saying here. Second, as regards religious freedom, the presence of a second canonical Orthodox church in Ukraine legitimates the largest body of Christians in Ukraine, some 20 million people, granting them the ability to be united once again with the larger Orthodox communion of churches. This group of formerly schismatic Christians constitutes one-fourth of the country's population and more than double the population of the Orthodox Church of the Moscow Patriarch in Ukraine. While having two Orthodox churches is not the ideal in Eastern Christian ecclesiology, it is an improvement having another legitimate option may also help promote a culture of religious pluralism. Now, why would that be valuable? Well, Father Andrew says this, Despite some downsides to religious pluralism, this change of mentality may help to accommodate various religious identities that have suffered under the yoke of nationalism. In the Transcarpathian Oblast, the region from which many of our Byzantine Catholic forebears hail, they constantly fight for an ecclesial and social identity distinct from the Ukrainians, which they have a right to do given their history and geography. Okay, now, what this means is that in the area that's now Ukraine and part of Slovakia, there's a meeting point there. It's the epicenter of Europe, and there's these mountains there called the Carpathian Mountains. And the people that populated there centuries ago, populated those mountainous area, were called the Rusins, or people of Rus. That's where we get the word Ruthenian. That's the jurisdiction that I belong to, the Ruthenian Byzantine Catholic. In other words, my Byzantine Catholicism comes from that region of Europe where the Carpathian Mountains are. But, now we have a difference of history. Those that are in that region, some say they are Ukrainian. Others will say, no, we are Rusin, Ruthenian. And the predominant, sort of the reigning group there, are the Ukrainians. And so the Transcarpathians or the Ruthenians believe that their identity is being lost, overshadowed, kind of swallowed up. So what Father Andrew is saying here is that One of the ramifications of this move by the Orthodox, by the patriarch Bartholomew, in regard to Ukrainian Orthodox churches, could actually help because it would give greater recognition to different groups, one of which would be our own. Finally, Father Andrew says, while some of the above may be wishful thinking, I prefer to regard it as hopeful thinking, hoping and praying that all may be one, even through the most turbulent of times. Now, this was all, I think, very complicated for you, hopefully not too boring. But, you know, there's something that we have to understand here. And this gets underplayed amidst things like sex scandals and, oh, just positive things too, you know, programs in the churches and all the business and life of the churches that we go about trying to live each day. We get a lot of focus on these kinds of concerns and problems, good things, not so good things, whatever. What gets lost oftentimes is the importance of unity, of unity between the Eastern lung of the Church and the Western lung. There is some unity. That unity would be the Eastern Catholics from the Eastern lung of the Church are united with the Pope of Rome and vice versa. Rome is united with them. But as you can hear from the article, there are millions and millions of Eastern Christians who are not in communion with Rome and Rome not in communion with them. Notice how I say that both ways. And that's significant. That is a great, great harm to the body of Christ. The body of Christ is split among so many, many, many people. We're talking about millions upon millions of Christians that are not united with each other, yet they share the same basic heritage, the same sacramental churches. Yes, east and west, but still, they're sacramental churches. There is much more in common than what is different. We were one for a thousand years. Schism, breaks, division is not the norm. It is not what should be. It has been for a thousand years, but we should not seek to hold on to that, but to seek to move beyond that for unity in the church. One of the things that we do in our Byzantine liturgy, in every liturgy, and actually at every service where there's a litany, we always pray for unity in the church, always. Because remember, Christ came, that we might all be one. Not the same, but one. There is one body, one Christ, one God, in three persons, but yet one God. We are to be united as one in the body of Christ. Diversity, yes, but one. Unity through diversity. Let us all pray for that day to come soon. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear
0: Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. monsignor charles pope and i always say to my my people my parishioners for you i'm your pastor with you i'm your brother but from you i'm your son because they have formed me so beautifully over the years and taught me to trust god and to praise god and they brought the holy spirit alive in me in just ways i could never have imagined you know coming out of seminary i had all the intellectual stuff in the seminary but my priestly heart has been formed
1: by my people morning glory monday through saturday 7 a.m eastern on ewtn radio